Joe Sports Net 590 fan, Ben Brian Gunning. How many years ago was this the Blue Jays? Like Anthem. Like seven. I feel like 2016, maybe? Does that feel right? God. 2016 was seven years ago, yeah. All right. I guess so, if you say Are so. Are you taking my word for that? Don't. <laughs> I'm doing math live. Don't ever assume. No. It's like literal just addition and subtraction. Can, one can or the confirm. other. Can confirm. Can confirm. Okay, thank you. Um, I literally just was like, sounds like a good number. That's, that's correct. Um, you know there's a path to the playoffs for the New England Patriots after their victory over over the Pittsburgh Steelers yesterday? Do tell. All right. So they need to get to 7 and 10. So they obviously have to win out. Um, yeah, that feels, feels like a pretty obvious thing. Steelers have to lose out, which is, I, hey, listen, very possible. Trubisky's done it before. Mm, Texans have to lose out. That feels tough. Yeah. Bengals, Okay. They get, they're, they're allowed to win one game uh, against the Steelers. Uh, the Chargers need to go two and three. The Broncos need to go one and four. And the Bills need to go one and four. And then you got yourself a seven-way tie at seven and ten in the AFC. I like I, I joke. That's obviously not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and the Patriots are very bad. But the AFC is very bad. Mm-hmm. Like the AFC. Who is good in the AFC, Brent? But, well, I was about to say the Chiefs, but it's like they have a good quarterback and a good tight end, and uh, we think a good defense still, but jury's a little more out on that than it was like two, three, three weeks ago. So, but the Chiefs are good. Like, you can put them in the upper echelon of this league, and so long as Mahomes is upright, I think you got you to gotta give them that. But, yeah, in the AFC... Like the the Ravens, I feel okay. I feel like I should Maybe. be higher on, but I'm, I'm not. not. No, I'm, I'm not. not. And I feel bad about it, but I don't think I'm wrong either. And the, the Dolphins? Dolphins. Well, I've talked about this. I think that in a AFC, if it was loaded with great teams, you'd feel awful about the Dolphins. And that every time they play a good team, we see the real version of them show up. But we just went over it. There's no good teams in the AFC. So I could see the Dolphins beating any of those teams in a shootout. You know, I'm not, I, I wouldn't necessarily pick them to beat the Chiefs in a shootout, but if that's what it's going to be against every other team that they're going to play in the AFC, yeah, I don't see why it can't be the Dolphins. Yeah, okay, maybe it's the Dolphins. I mean, the Bills put the hurting on the Dolphins, right? Yeah, 100 years ago, though. Yeah, and the Bills are playing their Super Bowl this weekend they against are. the Kansas City Chiefs, who is the most beatable version of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. A less beatable version of the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Buffalo Bills a season ago. Now, that was a different Bills team as mm-hmm. well. I guess why it's like, and despite the fact that, you know, there's some not so great news coming out of one Bills way yeah. these days. And maybe we'll talk about the Sean Oof. McDermott of it all yesterday and our pal Ty Dunn with some great reporting, Excellent reporting. Out, of, out of that organization. It's hard for me to totally discount that team. Like, I, I think the AFC is so wide open. You get yeah. in and you can win. There, there is no dominant team. Like I do think the Chiefs eventually are going to be in an AFC championship game and winning it in, and in a Super Bowl just because they, they have, I mean, they've been there each and every season mm-hmm. that Patrick Mahomes is, has played for yep. the Kansas City Chiefs. But other than that, there's just there's, there's a bunch of backup quarterbacks and there's a bunch of unproven teams. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. You know, it's funny with, with Josh Allen, obviously like he's a different player, but I'd be lying if I didn't have some of the Dak Prescott thoughts with him of that – yeah, like I could see Josh Allen. Now the difference is I think the ceiling's way higher there, but it's like I could see Josh Allen go out and win that game for the Bills, but I can just as easily close my eyes, squint, and see the fourth quarter interception that, that ends up doing them in. And that's the thing with Allen. Like it's the thing we keep talking about with him. And that's why I go to Prescott as the comparison there. Maybe there's a Leafs Bills parallel here, right? Mm. Like Leafs 
not making it easy during the regular season, just getting in, right? Like doing the Florida Panthers right. thing from a season ago. Maybe that's the formula for them. Mm. Maybe it's the formula for the Buffalo Bills going through what is a, yep. a very difficult regular season, finding themselves in what, week 14 on the outside of the playoff yeah. picture, looking in, needing to to win each and every game, going into, again, their Super Bowl yeah. against their conference rivals this week. Maybe is it going to be battle-tested? Well, and to your point about the state of the quarterback position in the AFC, like, again, like Tua, I think it surprised a lot of people that he stayed healthy all, all year long, but he <laughs> has. You love Mahomes, you love Lamar Jackson, but then after that, it's like, why shouldn't Josh Allen be able to beat any of those other quarterbacks that are going to be playing. You know, Trevor Lawrence, maybe we can have a conversation there. Mm -hmm. But again, to your point, like with so many backups, you would think Josh Allen would be able to be enough to get the Bills in. Here, yeah. And as much as I, again, I believe in Patrick Mahomes, I I would like to see what the the odds are, AFC, NFC, to win the Super Bowl. Mm. As I've put more than a couple of ducats down on the NFC team, whoever it is, whether it's San Francisco, um, or the Eagles. Or the Eagles. Yeah, it's going to be one of those two. Or, I mean, if the Cowboys beat the Eagles on Sunday. Nah, they, got the, gonna... they got the ready-made excuse of Jalen Hurts is, is hurt. Mm, I guess. All right, let's talk to Charles Davis, the NFL and CBS NFL Network analyst. How's it going, Charles? Going great. How are you guys today? Doing very well. Um, the Steelers were uh, like kind of a, a, a sexy dark horse Super Bowl pick uh, before the season. Uh, that has certainly not been the case for them. Uh, we just talked about the AFC and the state of it. Like, who's good in the AFC? Boy, that's a good question, isn't it? Because going into the season, we thought that's where really the power was. When you looked around and you said, okay, who's got the hot quarterbacks, especially the youngsters? What teams will bunch up there? We knew Kansas City would always get the respect they deserve because of the defending champs and Mahomes is there. But we thought there were a bunch of other teams that were going to be in this fight, and they are. But at the same time, you can't sit there and say, well, this team's the dominant one. I think that's your point, and I think that's where we are at this at this stage. Kansas City is still the team that I'm keeping an eye on. But at this point, do you say that they are truly the team? No, you really can't. Like Jacksonville had a chance to be really in that conversation, and they can get back in it. But I think they blew a great opportunity on Monday night against Cincinnati. You know, a wounded Cincinnati team, you know, at home on Monday night and everything's going in their direction and they didn't play up to that level and Cincinnati sure did. Now we have Jake Browning football out there. So look out. Yeah, they, yeah, you see Jake Browning, and uh, man, that's going uh, quite, quite honestly, a lot better than I think a lot of people uh, would have would have expected there. You know, the no thing, I, the thing I want to throw at you about the AFC is that, and you know, maybe the Chiefs' defense is this group, but if there was a defense that I felt was, you know terrifying or well I guess that Browns team is that but you know just because of the quarterback limitations they're going to have the the thing I'm, I'm meaning to say with the Dolphins is just if there was a scarier group of defenses to go through I'd say yeah I do think eventually that's going right. to get bottled up but it kind of feels like all these games in the playoffs you can squint and see 55 you know 45 finals or something like that <laughs> like if it's just a bunch of shootouts why can't the Dolphins go win the AFC that's a great point as well if it's a bunch of shootouts in the playoffs. And the playoffs, typically, the game changes, and it's one of those weird things. I don't care if it's football, basketball. I'd say playoff hockey is the same. Every shift, every possession, everything seems to carry more meaning, more, more, more emphasis on it. And things tend to slow down a little bit. Doesn't mean the Dolphins can't still sprint out there and put 55. They are terrifying on offense. There's no doubt about it. I think for all of us watching them, 
I think we'd like to see them beat someone that we go, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good team. Yeah. Before the, before the season is over. Because if they do that, then I'd really start. Then I'd really be worried about playing them in the playoffs. Because now they've eliminated the last obstacle, that last bit of doubt about them. But you're right. I mean, who's the defense that you sit there and go, oh yeah, they're definitely made to, to take out the Dolphins. They're, they're, I don't know that there's one out there right now. But so far this season, the better teams they've played, the ones that we respect the most, mm-hmm. they have not found a way. But guess what? Week 17 at the latest, they go to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. It's a great opportunity to present to the world, especially in what will be eh, weather mm-hmm. by that point in Baltimore. So, so all that put all that put you know you put it in there and you you go with it and see what happens. But I'm with you on that one. The Dolphins are definitely one of those teams you have to keep an eye on, and no reason it can't be them. Yep. Mm, no reason it can't be the Jags as long as Trevor Lawrence is healthy and and the injury news on him is a lot better than it looked when he was slamming his helmet yeah. into the into well. the turf uh, last week. And you're on the call of that game on Sunday, Jags in Cleveland to play the Browns. And if he's not active, we might see CFL's most outstanding player of the year, yeah. Nathan Rourke, activated. He it kind of blew our socks off with the the best play of the preseason, Charles. And and you know yeah. there there was a lot of excitement here north of the border that that he might get a, a chance. And there's been so many backup quarterbacks that have gotten an opportunity this season. Um, is anybody talking about about Nathan Rourke in Jacksonville? I get it. Like, it, it, yeah, C.J. Beathard probably would have to show that he's not capable or get hurt for him to get into a game. But, yeah, what is the talk around Nathan Rourke? Yeah, the talk is about Nathan Rourke because when that injury happened, as you pointed out, when you, when you saw the replay, your first thought was, well, he's out for multiple weeks. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, when Trevor Lawrence, when they showed the replay the first time, went, oh, we're not going to see him for a little while. Just how gruesome it was, how his leg bent, the whole deal. I expected to hear some type of damage structurally in his leg. And when I heard there was no structural damage, I fell out of my chair. He must be hanging out with Tom Brady and doing all the TB12 stretching and (laughs) flexibility and pliability because he did a great job. And I fully expect him to start on Sunday. I know he practiced limited yesterday. Getting back to Nathan Rourke. That conversation bubbled up quickly because, one, we expected Lawrence to be out. But, two, the first day of practice this week, guess who else was on the injury report? C.J. Beathard. So now, all of a sudden, Nathan Work takes on even more significance about the possibility of him playing, playing to his strengths, finding out what he has. Obviously, as you mentioned, he was a darling in preseason because that's the play. We, we keep clipping that play. Yeah. And so you say Nathan Work, someone goes, hey, do you remember that play? He had pre-? So he is, he is known for that reason, but also because he played so well up in Canada, could he end up being a guy that has an effect on the game if C.J. Beathard is at 100% and Lawrence doesn't go? Right now, I expect Lawrence to play. Just, just Everything just feels like it's ticking in that direction for him, but he'll have to play differently. I just don't think he'll be out there running around, although remember we had the knee injury on the short week in New Orleans on a mm-hmm. Thursday night, and everybody's like, ah. Oh, and then he ran for like 60 yards yeah. that night. So, so, so who knows? What, what do I know on that one? But it would be fun if Nathan Work got up there and ran around. But he's been elevated, I think, once this year because of injuries with Lawrence, and they were back. You know, they were hedging their bets. He'll be elevated on Sunday as well, I'm sure. 
Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see, and obviously uh, you never want injuries there, but uh, we wouldn't be uh, too upset if our guy Nathan uh, got, got a chance to sling it. Uh, go, go, go BC Lions. That's Let's right. That's right. Uh, you know, it, it's funny. You know, the handful of games that I could make the case is the, uh, the game of the week here. I, I got to go to the Sunday night or Cowboys-Eagles. Uh, you yeah. basically got the division on the line there. Eagles are banged up. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about Jalen Hurts. What version of him is there? You know, I know some people will say, oh, yeah, a very convenient story after you, uh, you you stub your toe a couple of times and get punched in the mouth by by the 49ers but what do you expect out of, out of that game I mean the Cowboys it's not their season on the line by any means but this is it this is their shot at the the division here what are you expecting in that one you're right winner leaves town in first place in the NFC East and again I love what you're saying it's not their season but isn't it their respect yeah because similar to the Dolphins when you have a discussion with someone and you talk about the Cowboys, if you hear someone who's enthusiastic about them, the counterpoint is always the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. But in the biggest games this year, who'd they beat? And, boy, who beat them down? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, the, that's the conversation you get. See, that's why San Francisco, like what they did to Philadelphia last Sunday, that's where the conversation really centers. Because when Debo Samuels, Brock Purdy, Trent Williams, and Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle on the field at the same time and playing the game, they are undefeated since Purdy took over at quarterback when all of them play together in a regular season game. Mm-hmm. All right? And the best teams they played this year, pick your teams, Philadelphia, Dallas, whoever it is in those games, they've won all of them by 18 points or more. So that's why you said they're going to go, ooh. So Dallas has to have a game versus a Philadelphia versus a San Francisco, versus pick your other, whoever good team it is, where they have to be that team and not get jumped on. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we are with Dak. You know, Dak and the Cowboys, are like, ah, MVP, MVP, MVP. He's not winning an MVP without beating someone good. Yep. It's not happening, all right? This could be that type of game. MVP is secondary for him. Winning the game is first. But, boy, that should be a nice little bonus gift, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. Uh, and the Cowboys are going to be in the playoffs either way. Uh, the Buffalo Bills yeah, are playing. Yeah, the Buffalo Bills are playing for their playoff lives uh, in in the late uh, uh, four twenty five game in Arrowhead on Sunday. That that's feels like their Super Bowl. Do you, like again? We talked about the the lack of 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 top heavy talent in the AFC. Do you think the Bills still have a run in them? I would have said so, and well, actually, I still say so. I want to see what happens on Sunday because the talent is there, and Josh Allen's at quarterback, and when he plays at the top of his game, he's as good as there is out there. You, you guys know that. I know that. And when you look around, you wonder how they have the record they have. You're like, why are the Bills struggling so much? Then the story breaks yesterday about the 9-11 speech Sean McDermott gave his team, yeah. and I'm thinking, as I, I said, he, when, when did he do that? It's 2021. So why is this bubbling up now? Where did this come from at this point? That doesn't sound, that doesn't bode well to me for a locker room and a team because all of a sudden this pops up from 2021 at this stage of season. Eesh. Okay, I'm not excusing Sean McDermott on the speech. Like, if you want to talk about organization and skill and all that, you can go to a lot of other places than 9/11. All right, if you want to talk about you know people putting together and teamwork. There are a whole lot of organizations you can go to besides about 9-11 and what happened there and seemingly praising, you know, a group that, that attacked the country. Wild. But but put that in but put put that into the whole hopper. Is this team equipped 
to make that run, or are we seeing the cracks in this team right now? Because I'm still dying. Like, that was 2021. So who reignited it and, and now brought it up? I know a writer wrote it, but what triggered that? You know what I mean? Because a lot of times that comes from the locker room. That comes from someone, hey, let me tell you about Sean. So that, that's, that's what I could w- wonder about there. We'll find out Sunday where they are, because if they give that great effort and play well, then we'll know that the locker room is still okay. If they go to Kansas City and don't play well and get jumped on, well, we can say goodbye to this season. Yeah, and, uh, you know, probably I'd imagine along with it, McDermott there. And, yeah, I mean, I, I had the exact same read on that as you did. I mean, just like obviously my thoughts on the matter agree with you, but just the idea of that coming out now, that clearly reeks of uh, somebody with an ax to grind against McDermott or, or quite frankly thinking he's not the right the right guy uh, for, for the job. Uh, we talked to you a little bit about this team as the year's gone on, but I, I have to go back to it. Uh, the Denver Broncos, we all had them dead in the water after they gave up, not, not 50, not 60, but 70 points to the Miami Dolphins. And all of a sudden, back to respectability, they got a game with the Chargers that feels very winnable to me from, from their perspective. You know, is this kind of proof, proof in the pudding of what exactly Sean Payton is as a coach and it just takes some time for somebody like him to get his system in the works? Or what have you seen out of, out of the Broncos basically since that 70-point debacle against Miami? Yeah, it's, it's all those things that you mentioned. It's also patience, which sometimes when you watch Sean coach on a Sunday, it doesn't look like it. As his players, as his players will call it, they say, oh, have you seen game day, Sean? Because game day, Sean's a whole different ball of wax now. And it's true. But at the same time, when your defensive coordinator, when you got to look at your defensive coordinator and your team just gave up 70, do you know how many guys would have fired their D.C. right then and there? Yeah. And he hung in there, and in their five-game winning streak, they led, they led the league in takeaways. And, you know, they lost a very close game at Houston on a day where the defense couldn't get the takeaways, and Houston actually got three from Denver, and that's how they won the game, used their formula against them. I think it's all put in there that, that listen, Sean Payton has proven. He's proven it over the course of this season, and you're exactly right. It's a very winnable game against the Los Angeles Chargers. They just have to go back to what they were doing in that five-game winning streak, taking care of the ball, taking the ball away, and then being able to convert on those third downs and red zones and on offense. Russell Wilson threw three picks last game. Mm-hmm. I don't expect him to do that against the Chargers. And the last thing I'll say is Russell Wilson humbled himself so well this year to accept what Sean Payton was bringing to the table. He has played so much better. I don't know that he'll truly get the credit for it, because people were so willing to, ah, he's done, he's out of here. Playing that style, that's much more the style he played in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Run the football well, hit your short passes, go play action and hit the big shots later, and don't turn the ball over. That's how he's played pretty well this year. He's not, he's not an all-pro anymore, but he's still a pretty darn good quarterback, better than probably he's getting credit for, and I think he'll play well this week. Uh, before they go, Charles, uh, devastating win for Patriots fans yesterday. As uh, yeah, they, 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 it's, it's a must lose uh, scenario, and Bailey's happy too good. Uh, can- hold it a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You guys, that is the perfect. My barber. I mm-hmm. sat in the chair the other day. All right, very quickly, I sat in the chair getting my my haircut, and before I sat down, number one, my barber is a Florida State fan, so I had to I had oh. to take his measure before I Oof. got in the chair. I was like, Has he stopped screaming yet? Has he stopped yelling yeah, about that, it yet? That's the point. When a man is a Florida State fan who didn't go to the playoff, <laughs> he's got shears in his hand. I don't know that I want to get in the chair. So I'm like, all right, where are we? We good? How are we doing? 
He said, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> Halfway through, guess what? He's also a New York Giants fan. Ooh. And then he started railing about, oh, and now they want to win games. Now they want to win football <laughs> games. We don't want to win games now, so you're, they're in the exact same place that you're talking about the Patriots fans. Yeah. Well, and now there's this this rumbling. Well, at least Marvin Harrison Jr. is like talking explicitly about, yeah, being undecided as to whether he's going to declare for the yeah. draft and Caleb Williams not going to play in in the Holiday Bowl. But yeah, do you with the the money that now can be made through NIL, do you think there's a legitimate threat for for some of those top prospects going back to school? I think there's a legitimate threat for the for the prospects that are much more second round guys like second round or maybe even the bottom end of the first round guys going back to school to try and improve their stock. I really don't think the guy to the top of the food chain. I think this is more posturing than it is real. Okay. And it's understandable because now you're hearing about some type of a $25 million collective for Marvin Harrison to stay and all these are things. So it seems real. I get it. I don't think it's a real threat. I think ultimately those guys want to go to the NFL and the money really kind of like, mm-hmm. is it really good? Are you really getting $25 million for a collective or are you going to get this money that this team's going to pay you and you know it's for real? I think those guys go. But I think if you're a second round quarterback with a chance to improve your stock the next year, there's a very good chance that you're going to take that NIL money, stay in school, and go ahead and do it. And by the way, watch all these quarterbacks jockeying with each other. Are you going? Are you staying? Are you staying? Are you going? Are you going? Are you staying? Mm -hmm. To find out who comes out because other guys will want to stay the next year and think that they'll be on top of the food chain and come out as a higher pick the next season. And those who get that good NIL money, they have plenty of reason to be able to stay. Yep. Uh, Yeah. There there are real financial incentive now. Uh, Yeah. I I don't think think top 15, top 20 Mm -hmm. stays in school. I think they come out to the NFL. Below that, Depending on the NIL money, that's a conversation to be had. Mm-hmm. Charles, always appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Thanks a lot, guys. You take care of yourself. See ya. There's Charles Davis, NFL on CBS, NFL Network analyst. Did not have a Leafs comment or a no, Shohei Otani. I thought we were getting Shohei today from him. Mm-hmm. I really did. Thought he, uh, but you know, he brought it with Nathan Rourke, so he did. He did like play to his audience as well. Yeah, yeah, he had lots of we Nathan Rourke info. He said actually, BC Lions. He was like, "I'm going to double back and give you more <laughs> Nathan Rourke because mm-hmm. he again, like, he knows who he is. Mm-hmm. He goes full Hulkster, cup in the ear to the crowd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. All right, so we've touched on it a couple of times. And yeah, Charles brought it up as well. Thank you for that, by the way. Yeah. I was happy he dipped his toe in there before I did. Yeah, so... It would have been very weird to be like, so, Charles, your thoughts on 9-11. Yeah, again, okay. So, Sean McDermott didn't just reference 9-11 in, in talking about, like, the heroes and, and saying his, his you know, his, his yeah. team should play like all the brave firemen that ran like up the, the building. Yeah, like the man in the red bandana. No, that wasn't... That would have been bad enough. No, he, he said, you know... Those the the terrorists that were operating on 9-11, they really worked together as a unit. Insane. Uh, so as Charles also rightly points out, this is a, a story from a number of years ago, and it's coming out now. Again, uh, the great Ty Dunn with his uh, Go Long newsletter with a great breakdown of what's going what's what's gone on and what is going on at one Bills drive. Um, this does feel like well, one if the Bills miss the playoff, Sean McDermott's gone either way. For sure. Feels like if the Bills make the playoffs and, and lose in the first round, they're, he's also done. And and thirdly, it feels like something has been rotten 
in Buffalo for years and years and years. And where exactly this is coming from has got to be super concerning yeah, to I'm, Bills fans. Uh, for sure. I want to pick up on that point. But I just want to hammer home what exactly happened back in 2021, which is when this story is from. So this is from Ty Dunn again. Uh, check it out. Uh, Go Long TD. Great work he, he does there. And again, not just this piece, but all of it. Uh, so this is from him. He cited the hijackers as a group of people who were able to get on the same page to orchestrate attacks to perfection. He then proceeded to go around the room and talk. Now I'm paraphrasing here. He's then proceeded to go around the room and ask, what do you think the obstacles they face? And this back from Ty Dung, a veteran answered TSA, which mercifully lightened the mood. I can, we've all made cringy analogies. You and I, we're talking to a live mic for three hours every day. Sometimes it comes out not the way you'd like. How? On earth did you think that was going to go of we need to be more like the 9-11 hijackers? What? Like, like in what world can you wrap your head around? Like, again, football coaches, they're crazy. But you know what Dan Campbell's not doing when he's talking about eating kneecaps and crushing arteries for snacks? Mm-hmm. It's not comparing his team to the 9-11 hijackers or telling them to work like a team like those guys did. I cannot believe this. I also, I, I cannot believe this did not see the light of day yeah. until now. Because mm-hmm. again, how many dudes are sitting in that room? Let's say it's just a defense meeting or just the linebackers, which Sean McDermott wouldn't be meeting with one-on-one, but it's like still 15 dudes in a room there, something along those lines. And for this to come out now, I don't know how you can look at it as anything other than this guy's got to go. We got to start getting, we got to start adding some logs on the fire here. Yeah. Again, there's no question in my mind that he will be tossed overboard at the conclusion of this season. He will be viewed as the responsible party for an epic failure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also hard not to think about, you know, man, 13 seconds left. What, like yeah. how close, Who, like the course. better versions of this Bills team, how they might have fared with, I guess, somebody, Leafs, a better hey, leader at, the, at hey, the helm. Leafs Bills, man. Yeah, it's a rough one. For, for Bills fans who might be watching their window close. That being said, again, the AFC is wide open, and you win on Sunday. It's a different tenor in Buffalo, but that's that's a rough one. Yeah, to, the, to have to step to a microphone and defend, yeah, comparing your team to the 9-11 hijacker. That's so bad. Like, when, when I first saw the story, I thought he just, to your point, was like, we got to be heroes. And yeah, attack right, it. yeah. And it's like, like okay, oh, okay. That's, that's, that's a little much. And, you know, yeah, that's a lot much, actually. Quite, and, you know, not that, not that there's any part of America that goes, we actually don't care about 9-0. But you're in New York. Like, you're in the state. And I know, like, Washington and Pen- the Pentagon and other. But it's like, you're in the home state of where this happened. I, I, I just, like, I'm genuinely at a loss for words. I cannot believe that that happened. That's a shame. All right. <laughs> when we come back. Uh, the Lakers on the verge of winning the in-season tournament. We are now through to the final as Tyrese Halliburton having his breakout, mm-hmm. his superstar breakout. And his dad. Uh, yes, and his dad. Uh, we'll talk about what that looked like in Vegas. Also, the Wake and Rake coming up next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show Sports. 
4759 in the fan, Ben, and Spring Gunning. Before I go any further, I want to thank mm. the brave police officer this morning who gave me a... Uh, <laughs> Wasn't sure if you were going to bring this up or not. The, he gave me a ticket yeah. for rolling through a stop sign. Mm-hmm. Again, at quarter after five I'm in the morning. happy you admitted you were wrong. Oh, there's no question. Okay. I did not fully stop at the stop sign. Little, at quarter after stop. five in the morning on the side stop. street in which there was not a living person mm-hmm. within, I don't know, 500 yards? Okay. But no, thank you, officer, for for doing your job, cleaning up the streets. Uh, I, I've certainly learned yeah. my lesson. Uh, well, I learned my lesson because you might have let me know that before I got to the office today. Yeah. And then I was like, well, I think I'm going to probably make, yeah. which, of course, I always do. Make sure, sure I come to yeah. a complete stop at all of these various lines. And uh, you, of course, just took it in good stride and were like, thank you, sir. I didn't. I, I didn't. Thank, thank you for your service, sir. I would love to <laughs> give the city of Toronto, I'm guessing, $60. Okay. Hey, no, that's more than that. Oh, geez. Sorry. About double that. Oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, I'll Should be have stopped. I'll be, yeah. Listen. <laughs> I, out of the shoot, I, and again, hand up, did roll through the stop sign. Should have stopped. I mean, Again, quarter after five in the morning, nobody <laughs> within hundreds of yards didn't think it was a major faux pas. I mean, I think I didn't think least, I was putting anyone's life in danger. I think there's at least one guy who feels differently about that. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Text it, line divided on the matter, saving and protecting what a hero. Uh, it's called a stop sign, Ben, not a roll through sign. Sure, sure, sure. What I relayed to the the officer is the way I I very much feel about this is what separates us from the animals is discretion. Okay. And understanding that we don't just have to apply things in a binary fashion. We can use, we can use shades of gray. Yeah. We can understand, you know, just because there is a hard and fast rule, we don't have to (laughs) apply it when in fact there's nobody being hurt, right? Like when in fact there is no danger to society. This is not something I do on a regular basis, okay? Noon, on a busy street, right. do I roll through a stop sign? No. I didn't think it was the biggest deal. Sorry that after at, at quarter after five in the morning on my way to work yep. that I would roll through a stop sign with nobody anywhere near me. Uh, can I do a favor for you right now? What's that? Uh, could we scrub this from the pod so that when you go fight this, uh, you haven't said into a live no, mic 800 again, times like, I did the wrong thing. I, I'm sure there's dash cam footage. And in fact, I was told that there is there was a body, body cam. cam footage of of my screed, which I'm sure they're having a they're having a chuckle at the 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 police yeah. uh, headquarters yeah. about, you know, my like, look, guys, how, look how big this guy's head is. That's what they're saying. I mean, the way I go about these things is I give the <laughs> officer the benefit of the doubt that, like, hey, they are going to use their discretion, right? Like, right. I go into it like, hey, I did something wrong. There's no question. I, I, I went counter to the rules of the road, and and maybe you will right. understand that there is like a mitigating circumstance here, probably not necessary to to really <laughs> dig into your into your uh, tool belt to, to hand me a ticket right. here. But once the ticket is issued, then it's it's my time to to relay my displeasure. With that ticket, so and what I, I did very much do that. What I'm hearing here is just to relay it back to the world of sports: is that if you're getting teed up, might as well get your money's worth. That's right. You're going to get tossed, right? Might as well let them hear it. 
It's kind of what I'm hearing. Did it make me a little bit nervous when he flipped like the top <laughs> off the taser, like the like the part that like you would have to remove to take the taser out of your okay, now I have, holster? Yeah. yeah did, now, yeah, that did make me a little bit nervous. Now I have to tell the joke that I told you and as a party yeah. that I'm so upset I didn't get to witness you being tased as I drove to work this morning because I would have immediately come in here mm-hmm. and grabbed uh, the fine folks at City News 680 and said, we have journalism to do. Come with me. Yeah. And I would have had to have seen it. And then, quite frankly, we wouldn't have talked about Joseph Wall for the first... Uh, well, the show's only three hours long. We would not have got to Joe Wall. If I would have seen you being tased before I came in here today, yeah. that's all we would have been able to talk I about. I mean, that's... Listen, I'm playing hurt right now. I got a bit of a cold, so do you. But, yeah. like, yeah, coming in to do a radio show after being tased, well, probably not something. Okay, this is super niche, and I don't know if even you've seen this, but this is reminding me... There's this, like... Have you heard this urban legend about Roy Oswalt and getting, like electrocuted in his arm basically and it fixing him have you heard this urban legend that is apparently no. true so bear the story goes that roy oswald he liked to like <laughs> tinker and fix with cars when he was in his younger days like he was still a prospect mm-hmm. and he basically had a bit of a sore shoulder and he was screwing around with the car uh this will shock everybody listening out there i'm not the biggest car guy so i don't know he's messing with an alternator something electrical <laughs> whatever he's doing and he said he went to hold on to something and it basically tripped the wires and he couldn't let go and he got a like shock up his arm. And his theory is that the effective like electrocution, whatever particles or whatever was in there, it like blew it all out. And Lance Berkman was on a podcast and confirmed that story. Wow. So that's super niche and super inside. Maybe I become smart. Like if, if I no. got tased, like oh, maybe, maybe like the synapses would finally start firing correctly. I actually, I think you would just stop at every stop sign is all that would happen. Yeah, just, probably, probably. That's it. Probably not. Like I'll, I'll do that. Again, like when I drive home today, I will very much do that because it's the waking hours. There right. are other There's people on the road. Beings. Right? Yeah. And I guess tomorrow morning, not tomorrow morning, Monday morning, I, I will certainly be stopping at that very stop sign, which apparently is notorious around the building. Like, this is mm-hmm. not the first time that somebody I've employed not heard this. here. I've not, I've not heard this. Well, okay, now you're hearing it. I'm going to get, this is, God, so niche, but you know that street has photo radar coming as well. I think it already has photo No, radar. it says coming soon. Okay, <laughs> said that for a while. Yeah. All right, so again, well, you can, the true heroes. I look forward to your complaining about the, the photo radar ticket you get at that exact same location. Yeah, I'm smart enough to, yeah, not speed when a robot is going to take a picture of me. And yeah, I would not have rolled through the stop sign if I had seen the police officer, but I, again, like didn't think I was was inhibiting anybody's good time. I, or... I just love that the text line is actually like super divided on this. Like half the people are like, hey, ding dong, uh, just stop your car. And then half the people go and agree with Ben. Okay. Yeah. I Honestly, I, I don't understand the mentality that, hey, it's it's a rule. It's a rule. We got to follow all the rules all the time, no matter how stupid they may be. Like, that's what we, we don't discern what rules to follow. We mm. just blanket follow them all. Oh, my argument with that would be, and this isn't like a, you know, police thing. This is just a society at large thing. I don't know about you, but I don't like when I interact with my common man all the time. I don't go, this person has the most common sense in the world. We should let them operate yeah. in a lot of gray areas. That's more my okay. issue. Like you talk it's, to a it's lot not, of people It's too. not my fault that there's a bunch of dumbos out there, okay? <laughs> it's not, but, I can but it is a fact. Sure. Yeah. And the dumbos probably doing the roll through the stop sign in the middle of the afternoon. Right. Get them. Get him! <laughs> not at quarter after five in the morning. Again, like not doing 110 either. It's like a side street. It's doing like 45. I'm sorry. Like I tapped the brakes. Give me a break, man.
Oh, Anyways. Oh, God. Now I'm so mad they didn't tase you again. I just <laughs> wish I could have seen that. Yeah. That Maybe been. I should tase you. Uh, please don't. Um, if this week was two days longer, like if there was no weekend, oh, yeah. one of us would tase the other for sure. <laughs> We're getting close, We're, to, close to tase time. We are. All right. Uh, we are now down to the final two, the NBA's in-season tournament. Tyrese Halliburton and the Indiana Pacers doing the damn thing, man. Mm-hmm. It, that is going to be the most interesting development to watch uh, as the season plays out and and what the Pacers do, having not been in the playoffs for a couple of years and yeah. haven't won a playoff game in, in years beyond that, mm-hmm. whether this spurs them on to, to greatness because Tyrese Halliburton is without a question the breakout star of this tournament. You get the best of both worlds. You get Tyrese Halliburton and this super exciting Pacers mm-hmm. team that scores yeah. a quadrillion points a game. And you got LeBron James and the Lakers. Trying to win the first ever in-season tournament. By the way, we had this conversation the other day as to whether you would uh, hoist a banner if you're yep. a franchise like the Lakers that have won 17 Larry O'Brien mm-hmm. trophies. Turns out that no, they will not. They only raise banners. Does that surprise you? No, because they're they're up their own backsides. Like I get that. Like that's I get it. Like yeah, you got to protect the shield. You got to protect the brand, yeah. right? Like I, that's what that is. Like, right. Yeah, we get your little in-season tournament. We're going to try, and LeBron James wants to own one day a Las Vegas NBA franchise, which is probably correlated to him going off in yesterday's game in Las Vegas Mm -hmm. in front of a very weird Weird crowd crowd that was not lit correctly. No, But yeah, it doesn't surprise me that the Lakers are taking this tact. I think it's the wrong one, though. No, I said it when we had this conversation. I think that I think it's odd for the first one. But I think the right move is to have a in-season tournament banner and just add to it like the Raptors did with their Atlantic Division titles. They used to have banners for all of them, and then they won a real thing, and they said, what, are, what on earth are we doing? Let's just put all the years we've finished first in the division on a banner. I think that's a perfect tact for the Lakers to have, like, it should look cool, it should be big, but it should be an in-season tournament banner, and it should be all the years they won it. I know it's like a weird way to do it for the first one, but... I think that's the that that's the tack that always makes sense to me. And I do think that the the LeBron James in it is so interesting. Again, like I don't this isn't tilting a goat debate. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't get to go up to somebody and go, ah, you Jordan guy, he has uh, one over him. But I do think it's something that not now, but in twenty years, you're gonna look back on if he is the guy who won the first in season tournament, I do think it'll add to his legacy a tiny bit, mm. but the legacy of the tournament a whole bunch. Well, and it means way more to Tyrese Halliburton and the Indiana Pacers. For sure. Clearly put a lot of import on this. Thing, well, and just right? just financially, like I forgot Bunk was ripping off the numbers, but they have six, seven guys on that team who make less than three million bucks a year. Like the five hundred grand, again, like we all would like five hundred grand. But mm-hmm. if you're an NBA player who like rolls in those circles where guys are making twenty, thirty million and you make three, mm-hmm. yeah, getting five hundred grand be pretty nice. Yeah. So this is like don't let perfect be the enemy of good, right? And and I think definitely the in season tournament has been good. I don't I don't know if you, there's really much debate here. No. Okay. Like it's it's again like early December regular season NBA basketball, which is generally like, wow, way in our peripheral view at this time in the sporting calendar, right? Like it's the NFL, um, 
and and yeah, it's the NBA and it's the NHL and mm-hmm. their regular seasons. But really, most people who are not hardcore sports fans yeah. don't start paying attention no. to either regular season until after Christmas, For sure. right? Like LeBron James has been on record as saying, like the season really starts on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, so we've we've generated interest in games that previously there was none. Mm-hmm. Success. But there's clearly some tweaks that are, yep. I, I think, obvious, honestly. Okay. Give them to me. Okay, one is, and Grange was on this from the get-go, that the games, the in-season tournament games need to be separated from the regular season. They mm-hmm. do. Because the the poor New York Knicks, uh, because they were so successful at this thing and advancing to the knockout right. round, have extra games now against the Bucks and Celtics. Yeah, lucky them. Which is, hey, maybe it's not going to make a difference over the course of an 82-game regular. I don't think they're going to be, like, super comfortable in their playoff positioning. Like, that's that's not nothing for the Knicks to be playing yeah. extra games. And secondarily, like, the thing we're talking about with, with yesterday's game in Vegas and then Saturday's final, it's a neutral crowd, mm-hmm. which works for the Super Bowl, but doesn't really even for the – like, the Super Bowl, there's no home field advantage, yeah. and it doesn't feel like the normal – NFL regular season or, or playoff no. games when you get to the neutral site Super yeah. Bowl. Like we need to we need to change the atmosphere of these knockout round games. Cause it was like take me back to the early like yeah. the quarterfinal game totally. in Indiana was electric factory. Yeah, I think this is, you know, often we'll hear, you know, penny wise, pound foolish. I think I think it's the opposite. Like I think at the very outset of this tournament. <laughs> the idea of, yeah, it's it's Vegas, Pacers fans are gonna fly there. What? that I don't think it is good for the first year to have it at a neutral site, but it's, they don't build, they didn't build this tournament so that the 2023 NBA season could be as compelling as it could possibly be. They think it's going to add to the calendar of the sport as a whole. And the goal is that in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years that, you know, that's a thing that there will be groups of buds who every year we go to Vegas for the tournament. And mm-hmm. just like there are people who go to the Super Bowl every year, regardless of whether their team's in it or not, they want it to be this celebration of basketball. And I think that that is a very smart long-term goal, but there's no way to look at it as not hurting the product in the interim or the early going of this thing. And I think that'll be for the first maybe decade of this tournament entirely possible. You know, you luck out, you get Lakers close to Vegas, not that hard a trip to make. There's yeah. Lakers fans everywhere, but you know, look at the other teams that are in this. Like, it's not like the world is swimming with Pelicans, Pacers and Bucks fans. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be really important um, that the Pacers don't like fall off a cliff the rest of the regular season. I right? think it's entirely possible that happens. Yeah, it's, it is because this is a team that scores a million points. They also allow a million points. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a, an in-season tournament that has been very point-friendly. Like there's yep. been lots of points scored in these basketball games. And the reason why LeBron talks about the regular season starting really on Christmas Day is like teams start playing defense. Yeah. So I, I think there's a, a really crucial component to this. The both teams... Well, one, like LeBron James doesn't suffer some catastrophic injury or like needs to take mm-hmm. a couple of weeks to, to go to Miami and 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 rest and recuperate after playing all these games consecutively at a high intensity. And two, that the Pacers aren't just like some forgotten team in 2023-24. It was like, oh, they made the final or God forbid they won the in-season tournament against LeBron James and they didn't even make the playoffs. Like what a joke that was. Yeah, I don't know that I'll look at it that way just because a one-off is so different than even the slog of a regular season. And to your point, like stylistically, these games have been different than your regular NBA season game. And 
I don't know that I have a problem with that. Like, if there is a different brand of basketball that's a little more fire wagon and it's just up and down, and yeah, there's not as much defense. You know, I know people roll their eyes at that, but if they, I think it's actually better for the in-season tournament if it feels like it has a defined brand and it's not just, hey, it's the in-season tournament. Yeah. We'll see what happens. If And I don't think the league should make a concerted effort to make defense harder to play or, you know, bring in the three-point line. Right? Like, I'm not suggesting they do anything to gamify it, but if it's just the way the players are kind of operating mm-hmm. in it, it, it feels perfect to me that it's a different style than what you'll see in, in February. And, yeah, I think I, I don't think you can look at this as anything other than a, than a rousing success but the Pacers part of it is interesting because quite honestly I would expect them to fall off a cliff like they're a team that's never done anything that's going to feel like they won a championship and it's not going to be a champion championship but those guys don't know any better right so they're just excited to win and yeah I don't think they'll look at it like we're NBA champions but it's not nothing either and I don't know how there can't be a letdown coming off of that we'll see and I I hope the Lakers win and LeBron James wins it because I would like him to have the first NBA season trophy yeah and we'll see what kind of a celebration lebron james has like there's gonna be champagne i Mm -hmm. guarantee you uh it's not a bad trophy either i haven't Uh, actually don't know that i've looked at it i guess it's just on the court right yeah yeah, it's that that's what it looks like um jeremy in mississauga says i I should have said good (laughs) morning to to the police officer (laughs) after he departed i feel like that would have been taser land that really that really would like that's confusing what do you mean good morning yeah also great job uh, on your inside joke uh, regarding Kawhi leonard's birthday jeremy just good job there yeah well done all right um well done police officer you're really making the world a better place all right, time now for the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. Saturday, Ryan O'Reilly returning to Toronto and Scotiabank Arena as his Nashville Predators at 14-12-0, fifth in the Central, face off against the Toronto Maple Leafs, who after yesterday's victory in Ottawa, 13-6-4, finding themselves fourth in the Atlantic Division. Um this is going to be an interesting affair as Ryan O'Reilly, quite notably, didn't take the money to return to Toronto, did not very much enjoy his time as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Yeah, apparently not. But don't you dare bring up that it was maybe the market that caused him uh, to, to go elsewhere. I think it'll be really interesting, the reaction there. You know, I'd imagine there's a little money on the board from from O'Reilly. Uh, you know, I'd be shocked if the Leafs are anything other than favorites in this one. They're favorites for pretty much every game. They're definitely going to be a, against a Preds team. You know, the, the over-under always interesting interesting with this Toronto's gone over in 10 of their last 13 which is odd because we don't think of them as a team that you know piles it up or gives up that much the other part of this as well is the no Joseph Wall of it all what are the Leafs getting in the net and I wonder what that does to the to the total as well yeah we were bang on when we talked about the short uh favorite line for the Leafs Mm -hmm. in Ottawa yesterday you got to figure they're going to be also favored mm-hmm. at home against the Preds on Hockey Night in Canada. The Predators 4-8 and eight as underdogs this season. The total, you, you got to look at the over. Even if it is Ilya Samsonov good enough to go, yeah. this is a guy that's obviously struggling with something mm-hmm. uh, illness-wise, probably not at 100%, and not having a great season in an overall sense either. Uh, we'll see what kind of a reception Ryan O'Reilly gets in that game as well yeah it'll be interesting i mean some booze for sure i think that this is a guy who would have gotten no not i shouldn't say no reception but it would be okay o'reilly's here cool he had a nice little dalliance but all the stuff that came out about him not wanting to be here because of the city and him pushing back on all that yeah i think it's going to be and the thing is is that you know he always scores against the leafs when he didn't have a bit of an axe to grind now former leaf ryan o'reilly oh god he feels like a lock to score on saturday night boy they could have 
really used him as a 3C. Yeah. Then maybe pushing Max Domi out to the left wing there. O'Reilly, Yarncroft, and Domi? Yes, please. Uh, Leafs and Predators on Hockey Night in Canada. That was The Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. So we don't know how significant the Joseph Wall injury is. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Quickly, before we transition on that, I did just want to bring up, you mentioned this earlier on in the show, our friends at Sports Interaction had the numbers, NFC minus 115, AFC minus 105. So not as big a disparity as maybe you would have have thought there. uh, It sounds like putting some ducats down. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we have a a rematch of last year's Super Bowl, just a close affair, but (laughs) the, the... the Chiefs seems like a diminished version of that yep. team that was in the Super Bowl, especially offensively yeah. and defensively. They've they've they haven't looked like the juggernaut they looked like no. early in the season. It's it's man, that would be hard not to to lay some money down on the NFC there. Yeah, it, it wouldn't. But the Chiefs are just they're the new public team. Like they're the they're they're actually a beloved one though. Unlike the Patriots, they feel like a beloved public team. Whereas the Patriots, everybody bet on them, but they're like oh, these bums. I hate them. Oh, fairly well the under thirty yesterday. Yeah, what in, happened to that in the Thursday night? between the Patriots for shame and, on you and, and for shame on you Bill Belichick that, winning that game you brought also, this up yeah I was disgusted by them Patriots fan here yeah I was disgusted how dare you win that game yeah that's rough um Bailey Zappi better than Mac Jones which is a low bar mm, the lowest yeah you, you you do wonder listen he's he's no world beater but you do wonder yeah if he had been given the reins all season long no they couldn't have been worse i don't well sure i don't wonder bailey's happy you know it sounds like bailey it sounds like a dog's name every time mm-hmm. I, I think of it and quite honestly he's a bit of a dog when he plays sometimes so yeah they just like they have no quarterbacks there they ruined mac jones i don't think he would have been a world beater but i think there's a world where he would have been decent and uh that ain't happening there mm-hmm. how dare you win that game awful uh we'll see uh, how they fare with uh Greg May or Caleb Williams. We'll see. Season. I'm very excited to get myself worked up into a lather about either or. Uh, the lather will continue as we talk Leafs with uh, Sam McKee of Real Kipper and Born next. As the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.